I don't remember the last time I went to a restaurant and didn't look at the menu. Mm -hmm. I never choose. And here you ask waiters in the States what I should eat, and they just get flustered. Like, yeah. What do you like? In Italy, you just go, what should I eat? And this, this, and this. A lot of times, you just be like, you know, we're hungry. Just get us some food, and they'll be like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Do your whole meal for you. Hello, hello. This is Andy Steves with the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. We have an incredible show lined up for you today with my good friend Sean Finelli of theromanguy.com, one of the top rated tour operators in Rome. We're going to dive right into Italian culture, Roman culture specifically, some of our favorite sites to see in the ancient city, and really um, discuss la bella figura, the keeping up appearances in everything that you do. That's the Italian way. So I hope you enjoy this show and uh, let us know what you think in the comment section. Thanks a lot and happy travels. Sharing tips, tricks, and tales from around the globe, this is Travel for the Next Generation. You're listening to the Andy Steves Travel Podcast. Episode 11. So I'm sitting down with Sean Finelli, and he's the co-founder, I believe? Or uh, I'm the actual founder of The Roman Guy, but um, I, my business partner came in about three or four years after I started it. It wasn't really a company until mm -hmm. he came in, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I couldn't really attribute any of the success without him. Mm -hmm. So consider ourselves kind of co-founder, but I started the company maybe three or four years before he came along. Sure. And and where did you grow up? I mean, are you, uh, do you have dual citizenship? What, how's that work? So my family's, uh, you know, like all Americans, we all come from different parts of the world. And, and you know, in the Northeast, most people come from Europe. Mm -hmm. So my parents are, my parents are born in the States and their parents are all born in Italy. So our grandparent level were Italian. Um, I'm a dual citizen. So I'm American and Italian citizen, but I consider myself American of all things. So I was born and raised here. It's actually from uh, New Jersey, not far off from where we are now. Um, when I was 18, we started going to Europe more often. Uh, me and my brother went over there. Then I started going by myself throughout university. And for over the last, I'm 32 now. So for the last 14 years, I've probably spent 10 of those years in Europe. So it's nice to have a Italian passport, isn't it? It's really nice to have an Italian passport. You, you know, it's one of those things you take for granted after a while. Yeah. You kind of don't... Uh, you you don't even it. think twice about it. See, no. I'm, um, I'm still staying under the 90-day uh, limit myself. So as I can see, the um, you may be American, but you definitely picked up an Italian style, I can see. <laughs> and I, I can appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, living there long enough, you, you have to simulate at some point. And that's really a big part of you know, understanding and involving yourself in any culture is assimilating that culture and becoming one with it and not trying to, you know, you try to keep your own identity, but it's also important to understand the identity of where you're living. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you can do that through um, fashion and outward appearances, of course, but also through other things like uh, studying. Picking up smoking. Smoking, yeah. Which I've quit uh, since, but good, it's good. Italy. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And uh, other things like food, of course, yeah. and language and, you know, it, the, the list goes on. But I found it so important to do your best to assimilate in as many different levels as possible. I mean, so one thing I always tell students if I can is, uh, you know, leave the North Face at home. Yeah, leave that's the, a big thing. Leave the, the sweatshirts with your school on it. I know we have the school pride, but you would never see an Italian no. student or an Irish student rocking their, you know, University da Roma gear. 90% of Italians wouldn't even wear shirts with anything written on it, mm -hmm. to be honest. So Unless you, it says a big fat Dolce & Gabbana or, yeah, that, or something, that, right? Yeah, that's and definitely awesome. That's a different thing. But yeah, most of them just wear black all the yeah. time. That kind of touches on La Bella Figura, right? Mm -hmm. La Bella Figura is like a an idea that it's just you always have to be at the best even when you're inside your house I mean I just bought my first pair of sweatpants 
of maybe my entire life, uh, like six months ago, because my, my wife made me yeah. buy a pair of sweatpants to get comfortable. <laughs> but it's La Bella Figura is just about always demonstrating being the best you can possibly be all the time and acting cool. That's why the Italians, they smoke when they're young and then they take it on order, they drink coffee all the time, sit at outdoor cafes, you know, dress to the nines for every occasion. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's about not- keeping up appearances, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So you would never see an Italian go from the gym home uh, without showering and, no. and getting all sh- again, like huh? in the states I thought it was so crazy because here you don't shower in the locker room then I went to Italy and everyone showers and I got used to it and it's really you know it's it's pleasant to get to get cleaned up before you go outside in the freezing cold especially when sweating and you never see an Italian not take a shower for the gym. Right, they'll look right. at you funny <laughs> so let's bring it back to the Roman guy briefly um, as we both know Italy very popular tourism spot extremely competitive in the tourism industry right mm-hmm. um, what have you done to differentiate the Roman guy from all the other uh, companies out there you know uh, Italians have this you know they love Americans and it's probably one of the only one of the few countries in Europe where they have they actually do love America and Americans in general but they have like a resentment towards Americans where American comes with their American style and their American culture and the Italians like no no you can't do things this way you can't do things that way mm-hmm. and it goes further than just you know you, you have to have a, you can't have a cappuccino after 1 p.m. it goes mm-hmm. it translates to everything for them to the point where Italians will, will actually start giving bad service out of resentment. So mm-hmm. the one thing we decided with the Roman guy is we're going to give everyone what they want all the time. We'll let them know how things are done here, but you know if you want to put cheese, grated cheese on your fish pasta, Eesh. you know which in, in Italy is completely <laughs> taboo. Yeah. yeah, you know you put it on your, your fish pasta. I don't care. You know as long as you have, we'll let you know what's right and what's what's you know publicly accepted or not. But mm-hmm. you do what you want, and that goes into customer service. You know you just big thing how we started is we just were very nice to everyone which Italians aren't awesome at doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and we gave everyone you know try to give them what they want as much as possible yeah so. you have that American customer service mm-hmm. but uh, you know in-depth knowledge of Italian culture history and so yeah on. you have to be you I mean it was definitely a you know we can't attribute everything to customer service you know we had a passion me and me and Brandon and other people that are involved had a, a massive passion for Italy the sites but I've identified that there are three key parts to any given tour. One, the monument you're going to visit, you know, like the Colosseum is, is a, a mm-hmm. lovely monument. It's massive. People love it. Um, the same thing as if you're doing a tour of a Grand Canyon. It's an awesome site to visit. So you need a monument that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Two, you need a great tour guide. You know, it's mm-hmm. the face of the company. You know, if mm-hmm. you don't have amazing tour guides, you know, you're not, nothing's going to happen. So we have like a two strike system with tour guides. We wanted to, you know, please customers all the time. And, if, you know, they're, going against that or doing something against what we want them to, the way they want them to appear in front of customers, then they're gone. So we really, the tour guides are extremely important and we have a great team. And the third one, which people kind of take for granted, is the method in which you do a tour. Uh, we found that people like tours better if there's some mode of transportation, uh, whether it's an electric golf cart or electric bikes or some way to get around or some a, you know, additional value proposition for that particular tour. And, and that's been a, uh, you know, a key to our successes doing tours differently. Tourism is hard work. You know, when, when you're is. when you're uh, navigating the streets of Rome with the guide, you're you're hot, sweaty, overwhelmed. All of that really drains on you. So if you can skip the uh, the the time and the effort of walking somewhere by hopping on an electric bike or something, that I could see how that would help. Um, and it's clearly working. I mean, you're near the top 20 companies. Uh, we're in, probably in Rome yeah, so. TripAdvisor rates yeah. is top 20, but amongst mm-hmm. actual walking tour companies, are probably top five largest yeah. in the city. Congratulations, uh, that's thanks. exciting, man. 
What I'd love to do is since you are, you know, you got your cliche sites like the Colosseum and the Vatican, Sistine Chapel, of course, the Pantheon that everybody has to see. Mm -hmm. um, if it's your first time in Rome and you want to get a little bit off the beaten path or if there's a kind of a, another site that the hordes of tourists miss, but is just as valuable as um, some of those priceless sites. Um, does anything come to mind? Definitely. Uh, you know, when you're in Rome, the sites are important. I mean, I would never disrecommend anyone visiting the Colosseum of the Vatican. Mm -hmm. Bucket list items, you have to see them. Mm -hmm. Spanish Steps, Trevi Fountain as well, you got to throw the coin in. Mm -hmm. uh, me personally, my favorite place in Rome, and Brandon Shaw, my business partner, would agree, it's his well, is the, the Aventine Hill and the Orange Groves. This is a beautiful area. Uh, I'm not sure if you've ever been there before or not, where the keyhole is and everything. Mm -hmm. Beautiful area, beautiful view of the city, fresh air. You get to see fruit trees, which you don't see fruit trees too right. often in a, in a major metropolitan area. And it's just very nice. And there's there's a beautiful basilica there. There's the orange groves and there's the keyhole. So there's just three massive points of interest. And then there's right also there. things that you don't see, which there's a there's a, a kind of a sort of monastery there where you can go buy the beer the monks make. Mm. And uh, people mm. don't assimilate beer with Italy, but it's a, it's a huge market. You yeah, know, I hear it. Things like Can, that. Tell us about this keyhole, because um, I, I love it, but uh, what's what's special about it? So the keyhole, it's not part of Italy. It's it's The area is sanctioned off to the Knights of Malta, so it's not, it's a, one of the many, many sovereign areas of in, in the country of Italy, but so I don't really want to spoil it for all the viewers, but let's just say <laughs> you, you this area is walled off with these massive walls going around it, and inside is a beautiful orchard, which you only see a little piece of, and at the end of the orchard, there's a you could say the symbol of Christianity at the end and all of its beautiful presence and it just fits right into the keyhole, keyhole perfectly and it, it really is emblematic of Italian style and architecture and how much how much more the Italians thought in each thing they do. They didn't just build an orchard, they didn't just build a wall or a keyhole, it all had to line up into perfect symmetry with mm -hmm. something else that was beautiful on the exact opposite side of the city. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and you just don't see that as much today. So much thought being put into architecture and it's just it's just so emblematic of the of the country and Italian made in Italy, mm -hmm. I always said. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a beautiful place to go to. And that's on the um, south side of town, right? By about yep. 10, 15 minutes? I so. mean, you could um, you could walk there from the Circus Maximus. It's not an amazing walk, it's all uphill. Mm -hmm. uh, you could take a taxi there, a lot of taxis, or you could rent a bike. You know, there's a bike shop on the Circus Maximus. Obviously, you could take a bike tour from us, which we go there on our bike tour. Sure. But there's plenty of ways to get there right. by yourself or with a tour company. And you know what I love is uh, um, uh, the Testaccio Market isn't far from there either. And mm -hmm. I, I know it's Moved recently because of was that due to EU laws where you can't have like open air markets or something like that or you know I'm not particularly I'm, I'm not well versed on on that but I mean there's still the market in Campo di Fiori which is open air and mm -hmm. there's one in um in, in Trastevere which is still open air in Piazza San, uh, San Cosimato mm -hmm. but uh, the Testaccio market is, is a great place to go there's excellent food there and beyond the market there's all types of like food trucks around there and uh -huh. different places you can eat so it's a cool place to visit I, I definitely off the beaten path if the activity looks cool and a lot of other people are doing it you should also do it and don't wimp out if it's expensive try to cut somewhere else you know spend a couple bucks and see the sites you're supposed to see this episode of Andy Steve's Travel is brought to you by our new guidebook, Andy Steve's Europe, City Hopping on a Budget. It's available online and in stores now. This guidebook highlights the key information you need to know about our favorite cities like top sites, delicious restaurants, crazy nightlife venues, clubs, basically all to help you maximize your time, fun, 
and budget while traveling through Europe. Check it out on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and of course, your local bookstore. Andy Steve's Europe, city hopping on a budget. Happy travels. In recent years, what would be the biggest change that you've seen in Rome? It's the eternal city, right? It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's ancient. It, uh, the Colosseum has been there for many, many years. But it's also a living city, too. Have you seen changes in, in, in the last few years? I mean, I always describe Rome as a decade behind us. So if anyone listening to this wants to make any money, just <laughs> look at something we're doing here. Go to Rome. It probably won't be there, and you can start that business. So if, if anyone's interested in doing that, you can. But one of the cool things I saw recently is, is a little bit of modernization, you know, in the the... Italians don't really have the same you can do anything if you put your mind to it mentality any longer at least as you know North Americans or you know Anglo-Saxons do but they've started these awesome car share businesses where they have little smart cars running around and you just get an app on your phone you can unlock the car you know and it's something they have here in New York it's and a lot like of car to go or something like exactly. that Exactly mm-hmm. um and they they they're marketed really great they have awesome little Italian like Roman slangs on mm-hmm. them on yeah. each car which <laughs> I, it's difficult to translate these but it's just really <laughs> clever business and uh, it's been an involvement uh you know I would say the the mass transit system is evolving, but it's been about 30 or 40 years since the Metro Line C has been yeah, construction. Yeah, that, um, each time I go back, it seems like the, the tram line is extending closer and closer to Piazza Venezia, right? <laughs> yeah, like it is, yeah. One, one stop at a time, but things take a while in, in such an ancient city. They, they definitely do. I mean, they say the uh, one of the funny jokes is that when when they're digging for the Metro Line C, they, they do a mock news article coming out that said they have an amazing, they, they found another artifact inside mm-hmm. the Metro Line C and that's the Metro Line C. Yeah. <laughs> They've been working on it for so long. Would you care to call out a favorite restaurant or bar that, that you just love in Rome? It's such a hard, it's such a hard you know question to answer, but my, my absolute favorite restaurant in Rome is a restaurant called Le Mani in Pasta. It's Le Mani in pasta, which literally means the hands in the pasta, which probably won't give you the best feeling, but <laughs> this is probably the best seafood restaurant in the city. It's huh. delicious. Value for money is great. I mean, normally when I go there, I spend like 50 to 60 euros, but I'm talking all out, like shellfish platters. And, wow. you know, they have this amazing carpaccio di spigola, which is uh, raw sea bass mm-hmm. with lemon cured, and they put these black truffles on top and eat mm-hmm. it over this toast. It's, it's tasty. Nice. It's really good. It's in Trastevere, which I think all the the best restaurants in Rome are in Trastevere. Le Mani in Pasta. Le Mani in Pasta. It's an, gotcha. it's an absolute I'll favorite. have to look that up. Have you ever been to um, or heard of uh, Il Gabriello? Um, uh, I haven't. It's uh, it's an amazing place just a few steps away from the Spanish Steps in one of the um, kind of the trident streets that lead mm-hmm. uh, north towards uh, Piazza del Popolo. And um, it's it's run by, uh, you know, a couple brothers. One Is it the, the one closest and, to Villa Borghese? Um, it's not up the hill. It's, it's actually subterranean. It's mm-hmm. down. And it's like a red, white, and black theme downstairs. And he asks you one question when you go in. Carne o pesce? You know, yeah. and like, do you want meat or fish? And that... That then you know no other uh, questions or menus come out you know and yeah. it's just that means your wine's decided that means yeah. you know all your courses and everything you I hate pick choosing one food mm-hmm. I absolutely hate it when I go to a restaurant I don't remember the last time I went to a restaurant I didn't look at a menu mm-hmm. I never choose and here yeah. you ask waiters in the states which I love the states by the way but mm-hmm. you ask a waiter uh, you know what I should eat and they just get flustered uh, yeah. what do you like in Italy uh-huh. you just go what should I eat and this this and this I mean right. they, a lot of times you just be like you know we're hungry just yeah. Get us some food, and they'll be like, "Yeah, definitely." Yeah, got just it. Do your whole meal for you. It's because maybe the um, you know staff in in the states might fear um, disappointing, but in Rome, food allergies or like, substitutions, yeah, whatever, no garlic, no yeah, oil, yeah. this instead of that. 
Yeah, and I mean, you go to Lamani and Pasta, and don't even look at them, and you just tell yeah. them, I want shellfish, I want seafood, and Beautiful. they'll set you up. Oh, man, I, I got to check that out when it's I'm going It's very, back. very good. Let's transition just a little bit into your traveling style, and, and when you're traveling for pleasure, does that ever happen? Yeah, yeah. it does, all the time, and as much as I possibly can. What was? Yeah, exactly. It's it's hard, though, man. When you when you work in tourism, it's really hard to check out of it mentally. I mean... You want to film that vlog. Uh-huh. You want to get a blog content. You, mm-hmm. you just You feel like any travel without research is a waste of money almost mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. so that you know leads straight into my question um when you go into a new place that you've never been what kind of research do you do just generally like what what sort of resources do you look for uh so i'm not a i'm not a, a cheap traveler i like to experience places much as best i possibly can I, mm-hmm. i'm not really too interested in, in very nice hotels uh, i could sleep anywhere but my wife she likes you know a four-star up hotel so nice. but we, we use apps to get cheap ones like hotel tonight amazing mm-hmm. app um, but the, what I'm looking for is activities, and I have a rule for myself. And if the activity looks cool, and a lot of other people are doing it, you should mm-hmm. also do it. It's kind of like mm-hmm. the jump off the bridge. Mm-hmm. The thing you know? to do, huh? Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. and don't wimp out on the activity. If it's expensive, or try to cut somewhere else. You know, get takeout. Yeah. You know, me and me and my wife, we always get takeout. We don't mm-hmm. go out to a lot of dinners just to save money. But do the activity. Like we went to to Vegas uh, in the beginning of October, which is a great place. I love Vegas. And I haven't been to the Grand Canyon yet, and we were like, should we do it? It's like this expensive, yada, yada, the helicopters, ever not. And so we ended up renting a car and going, and I'm so happy I did. And yeah. it's just the rules, we just ha- you have to go. You just go and do there. it, spend a couple bucks, and see the sites you're supposed to see. And do you use um, you know, guidebooks, online resources, blogs? Is there your kind of a go-to spot? You no, know, I like guidebooks. Um, I do use guidebooks often. You know, mostly in Europe mm-hmm. or places where I don't speak the language. Mm-hmm. I'll go to a guidebook first. Uh, you know, your dad writes great guidebooks. Um, yours, yours, I've read through it as well. You know, I hope you approve. But uh, I do approve. I'm it's, sure there's uh, opportunities for improvement as well. No, it's awesome. <laughs> it's 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 well laid out. I mean, it's just the formatting is great because you go from place to place and it's the same format, so you can find the same information each destination you're looking at, mm-hmm. which is very important when you're reading. Mm-hmm. But uh, I do most of my research online. You know, and then I'm, I'm always going on the cheap websites to find a better price. I've always been skeptical about those uh, apps or websites like Hotel Tonight or mm-hmm. Last Minute Deals or whatever. I feel like, really, is it really going to be that good deal? But you you can vouch for it. You've had. I mean, Hotel Tonight, I've, I've stayed at some very nice hotels mm-hmm. in very nice areas for like $100 a night. I mean, we yeah. were in Miami. We stayed at some super luxury hotel on the beach in South Beach, the pool. And it was like, it was wow. like $125 yeah. a night, normally $500. And, and that's just a way for hotels to offload and it at least make costs huh, for yeah that. you really have to do it like the day before though we booked uh-huh. at the airport on the way down wow for me when I'm traveling I I get so tense or stressed out if I don't know that I'm gonna be staying somewhere just yeah. because I've had poor experiences you know mm-hmm. um, having to stay outside of town or um, having to pay through the nose for for whatever reason it depends on your mm-hmm. comfort level yeah. and, and your style of traveling I mean mm-hmm. I wouldn't recommend everyone to use this app mm-hmm. I recommend you know my my dad he goes to Italy all the time and mm-hmm. he books like five months at a time mm-hmm. place mm-hmm. he'll yeah. he'll stay in a, in a three star hotel where I, I'd rather stay in a bed and breakfast personally yeah. but um, you know it really depends on the comfort level but yeah I mean I, I like that app the problem is you won't get a great room you get a room fa- room facing a brick wall or something so sure sure that's sure. what you're uh, that's a trade off song mm-hmm. no is there any place that you haven't been that's on your bucket list. On the bucket list that I haven't been, I mean, surprisingly enough, I haven't been to Istanbul and I really want to go. Uh, I don't really buy into the whole, 
you know, fear, terrorist attacks, things like that. I think they're mm. just as likely. Because millions know. of people live in Istanbul. They go about their daily lives, and of it's course. a tragedy, of course, when something happens. I don't want I don't want responsibility for anything, obviously, but, I mean, a mm. lot of these attacks are happening outside the historical center, outside of mm-hmm. tourist zones. Not that I, I want these attacks to happen, but, you know, as a, as a traveler, mm-hmm. you know, you sh- I think you should confidently go to places. As long as you're not going to a, a full-on conflict country, mm-hmm. which some people still do. There's a lot of, uh, you know, people that enjoy conflict tourism, but... You know, I, I want to go to Istanbul. It's yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's absolutely. I had a chance to go in uh, 2008 and loved it. I mean, it just made me want to go further east. You know, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point to. Have you ran with get, the bulls yet? Um, no, I haven't done that. <laughs> Have awesome. you? Yeah, it's great. yeah. Did you train for it? I didn't. No, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I. How do you train for it? Getting drunk? Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I just can't. I can't believe that because you party all night, right? And then you run at six, seven, eight, eight. We didn't. We something. didn't party really. No. All night. no, I did it with like my dad and my uh, business partner. So. Did you have the outfit? No, you have to have the outfit. Totally right? had the outfit. Yeah. I mean, that's we nice. got there and we were like, you know what? Maybe we won't buy the outfit. And then we saw everyone in the outfit and we were like, we got to get the outfit. Let's buy it, it now. Yeah. Let's change. <laughs> do you have a favorite travel buddy? I mean, I'm married now, my wife. But she might not be my favorite every time because we Uh-oh. travel differently. No, she's like a resort person, you know, and sure. I'm more of an adventure travel. So my business partner, Brandon, I like traveling with him because we'll go and go anywhere. I mean, we're, we we had a trip planned to, to go to Morocco uh, two weeks ago, but we ended up canceling because we had a lot of stuff to do in the office. But yeah, he, he travels like me where we just go book stuff the night of. Mm-hmm. He'll go mm-hmm. anywhere. He's not afraid to go anywhere and stay wherever. You know, because travel buddies can make or break your experience, Completely. you know, and it could be your best friend. But as soon as you're traveling with them, living with them, eating, sharing a room, always together, man, that can be a recipe for disaster. I mean, you probably have to get like a job interview for mm-hmm. travel buddies, yeah. you know, like, hey, can you live not booking your stuff the night before? Or uh-huh. like in your situation, hey, can we book three months ahead of time? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. You need to find someone exactly <laughs> like you to travel. Sometimes it, it helps to have someone a little bit different though. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It to complement that. But man, I've, I've had great travel buddies. My um, I love traveling with my sister, for example, because we can almost communicate non-verbally. You know, just uh, I understand when she's tired she knows when I'm hungry and when I need food all of that so that, that helps. don't get irritable hungry yeah. it's an important thing yeah. <laughs> um, what I'd love to do is just talk a little bit about entrepreneurship a little mm-hmm. to, to bring it back to that because obviously there's millions of people who who are dying to get into the tourism industry who want to learn more about that when it comes to doing business in Italy I mean that would be one of the I love Italy I love Italian uh, <laughs> culture food language arts architecture but it would be probably at, towards the bottom of my list in, in terms of places that I'd want to do business how, how has that been for you I mean there's a supply and demand curve for everything the, mm-hmm. the country is amazing beautiful you know et cetera et cetera everyone wants to go there so it has to be incredibly difficult to do anything when you get there you know it's, yeah. it's always a you know a yin and yang for you know everything um, it's been tough. You know, there's been a lot of red tape to cut through. Uh, first, learn the language. You know, you have to in order to do business there. If you go in there, you know, sounding like an, like a foreigner or messing up all your conjugations, it's, it's just going to be difficult for you. So learning the language is really important. Um, you know, me and my business partner both speak Italian, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the company there. You know, learn the accounting. One of the biggest things mm-hmm. when you start a company, as you probably know, is to learn accounting. And we had to learn, I'd, I had to learn accounting in this country and in Italy, and Italy it's yeah. two completely different systems. Wow. Um, uh, one of the examples of how it was really tough is we did these golf cart tours, which people loved. It's mm-hmm. an electric golf cart, great for the environment. Uh, we could drive people around in it. It was open walls, so you could just get out and hop on. It was street legal, had seat belts. It was, it was yeah. amazing, wow. going all the side streets. Then all of a sudden the government came in one day on July 14th, mm-hmm. or July 14th, 2014, and said you can't do it anymore. 
that's you know it's just uh, all sorts of just tweaks in the in the in the code will you know cut out entire businesses yeah. well we asked them you know how how do we get get a license for it they're like well this is unregulated we don't have a regulation for this yet mm -hmm. so like how do we get it regulated and they're like you know you got to wait for us to to create something to regulate it just wait we've been waiting two years for this now and we email them literally once a week trying yeah. to get a new response and they you know yeah. it's tough but you just gotta you gotta roll with the punches mm -hmm. and and think creatively like if you're if you find yourself hitting your head against a wall just back up and figure out you know what what other ways can i still yeah. be competitive um in a space because like like we all know it's a, it's a crowded spot it's funny in in krakow taking um in poland taking these extended cab golf cart rides are like the coolest thing to do. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to go. Well, that's where, all, that's where they make them is in Poland. The company is Polish. I see. I mean, in Philadelphia, they have these awesome tours where they literally have like military vehicles that yeah. they drive people around in. They're like huge, and they have the duck tours, they're uh -huh, driving a the lake. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't know if I'm gonna sit on one of those, but yeah. they have cool and creative vehicles and it's so easy to get like a license for them. We've been mm -hmm. trying to get the license for the golf cart again for two mm -hmm. years now. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. but it's the same, it's the same type of vehicle, but roll up the punches. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. Over diversify. Yeah. That's why we have the electric bikes. You want to stay I with see. the eco. Mm -hmm. Now in terms of getting your business off the ground, for me, one of my biggest challenges is understanding uh, the right metrics, like what metrics to pay attention to and which ones don't matter at all. Because that's, you know, there's no textbook for this. I'm just figuring it out as I go, paying attention to certain numbers and others. Um, has there any been any like hard learned lessons? You have to learn everything, you know, every single piece of your business. Anything you don't know about, that's where you're going to fail. So I went and took an accounting internship because I wanted to learn accounting, you know, mm -hmm. as I explained earlier. So you have to know. Is that what I saw on your um, on your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, I, like I, I worked was... actually two blocks away from where we are now. Yeah, no way. And and you were juggling running your company and yeah. going in. Wow. Yeah. Uh, actually, I, I got the internship through one of my customers. Yeah. No way. <laughs> it's like I, I want to learn accounting. She'd so come work for me, and I was like, okay. There you, know? you go. Wow. And it was a great experience, but you uh -huh. have you have to learn everything. Uh, uh -huh. As for metrics, I, I heard an amazing quote on a TV show, which I think is a great it's a good tv show i mean I, I agree with it less and less every time i watch it but on the shark tank this guy mark cuban who i don't really advocate all of his things he says i don't like everything that comes out of his mouth but he mm -hmm. said one line which is incredibly important in the business he said follow the money mm -hmm. and following the money is very important if something is selling put it on your homepage. i yeah. see all too often people trying to struggle with products that are are failing by putting on their homepage instead of pushing their most popular products and it's just put put the money on the homepage, yeah, you know, and that's that's what we do the most is if something's selling, we just you double down on it, huh? Exactly, yeah, just keep going, yeah. You know, yeah, hopefully yeah. people will that will become the locomotive of your business, and they'll buy other products that you're trying to sell as well afterwards. But mm -hmm. you know, really follow the money. Yeah, see, that's been a challenge for me because uh, one tough lesson I learned is the uh, the most popular tourist destinations aren't necessarily the best places for us or my company in particular to run a tour. Yeah. Um, you know, London, for example, lots of tourists go in there, but the perceived value for a city like Krakow or Prague or Budapest is much higher than where, where they speak a very different language, where the currency is very different, that sort of thing, compared to uh, a city like Dublin or, or London. That's been an interesting lesson. I personally, yeah. I think that that it's, it's terrible that it has to be like that because the the value of a local expert is on, you can't even match it. I mean, look mm -hmm. at just that we were talking about earlier saying that mm -hmm. your sister understands when you're getting irritable, hungry. Yeah. This is one of my biggest things for, for purchasing travel or purchasing assistance travel is it's almost worth it just for the restaurant recommendations. So you don't have to sit there and argue with someone over where you're going to eat because this place looks touristy and this place doesn't. And then you mm -hmm. get irritable, hungry, then you get in an argument and, you know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just, just literally to find the right place to eat. And, you know, in London, 
there's plenty of tourist traps and what's the best fishery to get right, fish and right. chips. Going back to having a guide show you around a city, a lot of people have a hard time justifying having a local guide to show you around. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I run a tour company, you run a tour company. You could say we're biased, but can you speak to the, the value of having someone who lives in that city show you around? It's like when you go on vacation, don't plan anything beforehand. This is like mm -hmm. what people want to do when they want to feel cool. Is I'll just show up and do things when I get mm -hmm. there. You're going to get bored and then you have to decide when you're there what you're going to do when you have a guide he's going to show you you know he or she obviously is going to show you a million things to do or many things to do places to eat where to go their local knowledge is just so valuable and when you get there when you, you won't realize it until you are there that you're going to argue with the person you're with about what to do when you're there or not have anything planned and walk around lost all day when you have a guy they just show you everything you're supposed to see and it's just so simple and easy they don't get lost they speak the language they show you where to eat you know and people know them because they're walking through the same streets every day it's just for me, it's a no-brainer. Everywhere I go, I get a guide. Yeah, so. it's an incremental cost beyond what you may have uh, budgeted for a day or a trip. But think about all the other costs that you're incurring on a daily basis to be in, in any given city. And you got your flight. You're paying for hotel accommodations. You're spending money for food. You know, it, it makes sense to spend another couple percentage points on the overall uh, trip just in order so that you're not stressed, so that you, you're eating at the right places and, and not wasting time being lost in the streets of medieval Edinburgh or something. And, and so it's so nice to be able to have a friend on the ground to show you those. There's small group tours. If you don't want to be in a group of 50, there's groups of 12 and 10, mm -hmm. 14 or 25, mm -hmm. you know, that are still very, you know, you have a lot of personal time with the guide and you can get to know them and get to know the people in your group. Well, look at if you go to a tour with 100 people, you're now one of 100 people on a tour and there's, mm -hmm. you're never getting any contact with that tour guide. Then afterwards you go get food at, the, at a, at a at a restaurant right next to the Coliseum and you're gonna spend 100 euros on a meal that should have been 12. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you go to buy a tour for maybe a couple euros more than what you're gonna tip this tour guide for the 100 person tour. And he's gonna, you're gonna have some time with that tour guide. He's gonna give you local knowledge. You're gonna, you, you yeah. probably could save money in other areas and make it work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you can pick their brains about anything else that you're really interested in. Mm -hmm. I mean, like that's, I love being the Boy Scout at the front of the group, like just oh, yeah. uh, continuing to ask questions as we're moving from one place to the next. Hey, where's the best place to get a drink after this or restaurants, you name it. So anyways, um, Sean, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today. I'll look forward to, you know, maybe a couple more where we can dive into more about uh, travel entrepreneurship and even more about Italy because you know the, there's so much to be said isn't there <laughs> it's, it's an untapped market there's so mm -hmm. many things that even you know the biggest Italian travel experts haven't really brought to the forefront there's just so much more the country mm -hmm. has to offer well again it's uh, Sean Finelli here with uh, theromanguy.com check that out you can also see their hundreds of five-star reviews on TripAdvisor this is Andy Steve signing off and uh, happy travels and ciao for now ciao for now <laughs>